Hey folks, it's uh, it's Mark. How are you? Uh, I don't like to do this. I don't. I don't like to have to do this. But we do this when somebody I've talked to here in the garage has passed away, and um, one of the great, great comics and comic minds has um, has has died. Gary Shandling has passed away, and it's. Um, it's it's just so it's just so sad. I did this episode in in uh, May 2011. It was episode um, 177. So it's it's only available behind a paywall, and, and out of respect for for Gary, I, I wanted to, to 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 give it back to to anyone who hasn't heard it, and to those of you who want to listen to it again, because it was a a pretty amazing and um, sweet interview, and I was very nervous about it. Um, he, w- he was a very um, respected and uh, brilliant guy. I didn't know him. We were not close friends, but um, but between his work as a stand-up and on uh, it's Gary Shandling show and, and Larry Sanders, of course, you know, I, yeah, how how could you not just be in awe of that guy? What a hilarious and brilliant guy! And when I, you know, I think Judd Apatow helped me uh, set it up. And, and I remember it was one of the first times I actually had a celebrity's email other than Judd's. And I didn't know how much I was supposed to pester him or, or whether we could make it happen. And I remember going back and forth with him. And then, you know, the, even his emails were hilarious. And I was like, I, you know, it, you know, and it kind of played out for a little while before we could, you know, actually do the show. He He wasn't sure if he wanted to do the show and. And by the time he got here, I was so beside myself and so nervous and didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if he was just going to, you know, make me, uh, make, you know, make fun of me the whole time. And I just had no idea because the one thing that I knew from watching Shanling, from watching his shows and primarily his stand up is that he, he just, he was one of these amazing performers and minds. He just had his own time zone. He just, you know, he was, he existed in, in a, in, in a, in just Gary Shandling time zone and his timing on stage was unlike anybody else's, you know, his ability to prolong a take to, uh, to sort of, you know, drop punchlines in a, in a slightly stilted, you know, pausing way, uh, you know, stylistically it was just so unique and so right on the mark, but so, uh, in, in the tradition of stand-up, of, of being a comedian. You now he was a, a joke driven stand-up with a, a truly unique, uh, persona and point of view there was there was a, a, a neurosis that seemed to operate at such an intense level that it gave him a an almost buddha like nervousness if that's possible and it was just such a thrill to watch him do stand up and and obviously you know with with Larry Sanders uh you know this was he reinvented the medium of television everything that you see on television that you like you know owes some debt to Larry Sanders, he reinvented it by tearing it open from the inside and creating this this cast of characters who, whose depth just oozed out of like their broken egos in this just subliminally hilarious way. You'd never seen a cast of characters like that, and the comedy was so specific and so perfect, mind blowing, and continues to be mind blowing. I don't know, man. You just don't expect people to die. I, I know we're supposed to expect it, but we I don't expect it. 
and he was certainly young. He was 66, I believe, and, and we should have had him for longer. The thing that I think everyone needs to realize about Gary Shandling is that he was a truly original comic genius. And he had a way of seeing and a way of doing and a way of, of constructing comedy, both you know, in his act and in on television, in a way that was uh, completely original. And that, that is really such such a rare thing. And it's sublime, man. The guy was fucking sublime. But I wanted to share this um, this interview because one thing that amazed me about him that I did not expect to happen was, you know, how sort of how much peace of mind he had. You know, for for a you know from all appearances for a, a you know utterly neurotic Jewish guy, you know, he had an amazing peace of mind. He he seemed to be at peace with himself. He seemed to have wisdom around how peace of mind is attained. And and it, it definitely felt like the peace of mind that Gary Shanley had when, when I spoke with him was, was earned and that uh, he was vigilant about maintaining that peace of mind. And um, so I'm happy I have this conversation to uh, to give back. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, devastated that um, I won't you know, run into him again or, or see him around. He was just one of those guys. If I'd see him, like I'd get all excited. Like I'd, I'd want to run up to him and go, Hey, what's up? What's up, Gary? How you doing? And just watch him kind of, you know, pull back a little bit and be all nervous at my weird lack of boundaries and, uh, aggressive energy. Rest in peace, Gary Shanling. You were, you were, you, you were one of the greats. So here's my conversation with, them. Um, with Gary Shanling uh, from May 2011. Come on, it's the future, man. I'm, I'm, I'm working from home, Gary. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Listen, I mean, my buddy, uh, a good friend of mine, has uh, just said to me, um, let's get you on, a, on your website talking. Uh-huh. Let's get something going. Yeah. So I, I've got I've to yet do that. Are you think a friend of mine that's uh yeah, I have a friend who's an architect. Uh does he have a podcast? No, he's just very, very smart. He's yeah. a Harvard grad and we get along really well. Yeah. And uh I shot something for him and um so I'm what I'm saying is I'm trying to catch up to the future. Yeah, I I'm I'm new to it. But um But you know, lots of people told me about you. Yeah. Like five. Yeah, that's a and lot. And then and then someone um my buddy Bruce Grayson, who's kinda of one of my best friends, he's yeah. a makeup artist. Yeah. He called me two nights ago, and he said, um, listen, there's this uh, woman that I know who's really smart and especially creative, and he, maybe he mentioned her name. Yeah. And she said, you should listen to this guy, and he does an interview show or something called, yeah. uh, and he goes, Mar is it Mark? I said, it's Mark Marin." Yeah. He said, yeah, that's it. I said, I'm doing it two days from now. That's really a severe coincidence. Yeah. So I think people listen to it. I mean, a lot of people seem and to Sarah like Silverman, it. Silverman, I think, told me. Sarah was on my show. I talked to her for an hour. Yeah. I think Judd told you. And then you met me. Is that me? That's you? Yeah. Oh. Are, we, are, you, are you already taping? Sure, we can start taping whenever you, you want. Yeah. I mean, have you been? Yeah. Have we been taping this part? 
This, we're taping this part I now. I think that's a good idea. Oh, no. What do you mean now? You mean like just starting now? Or no, it's been happening. It, yeah, yeah, that's I, right. I started it when I mentioned the driveway. <laughs> Did you start? You didn't start it 12 years ago when I met you in the bathroom of the- uh, The comedy store? Well, you know, when we're in the bathroom together, I forget where it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't remember that. No, I couldn't tell you where I met you for. for you'd have to tell me because uh, I have a bad memory, but I remember- just bumping into you, of course, uh, in your driveway before Just this. Just now? But no, but I, m- I remember me- meeting you at... Um... Paul Provenza's Sure. Thing. That's, then, we um... met, but I think that was the first time we actually met. I think Maybe. I might have met you when you hosted... The young comedian special in in Aspen, and I was just mad that I wasn't part of it. And that, uh, and then uh, I actually the first memory I have of you, I was working the back lot at the comedy store, and uh, you oh. you drove up in I believe a a gray Porsche. Yeah, is that possible? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I offered to park. <laughs> to I I said to you want me you want to give me the keys, and you you said no. And you left it. No, that's a good impression you did. <laughs> it was not an impression. Well, Mark, I mean, I really don't care about material things. I just get concerned that vomit could ruin the paint. <laughs> and once you take it into that back lot at the comedy store, which smells like vomit, doesn't it, the back uh, parking lot? There's something wrong with that place doesn't all Doesn't it around. smell like vomit in the back? Yeah, if it doesn't smell like pot, it smells like vomit. Yeah, it sounds like, it smells like some strange mix. But you weren't, you weren't really working there at that time that much. I mean, I, I seem to have gotten there right after everybody that... Uh, really became big out of that place left i think you were practicing to to host a show or present an oscar or something i remember watching you and thinking like holy shit this guy's in a different time zone with his comedy and it's amazing and then you left it was like four minutes and and being in a different time zone is a good thing that's what i was wondering yes i figured (laughs) (laughs) it it brings me to the idea of jet lag if that's what you meant (laughs) you know (laughs) no i mean you have a very deliberate uh style of timing that you know is it's 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 completely your own and that's a hard thing to do yeah did you find that i mean when you when you started out when were you more manic or at any other time no i think i was never really manic Uh uh-huh uh however i think the uh the idea of that slow-paced style is in which I'm speaking to you now. That's good, yeah. That's purely because I'm thinking uh, is also sort of uh, exaggerated because I think uh, there's a certain pace uh, that uh, is required on stage. On the other hand, on the other hand, I've been working sort of slower than ever recently, and I'm trying to find a new style, newer style that's uh, so conversational that. Uh, uh, people uh, participate <laughs> when they're supposed to be laughing. <laughs> and the other thing is, is, of course, Zach Galifianakis has a very uh, contemporary uh, slow, slow pace, yeah. usual pace, which I think you, you, you and I both saw. I'm, I'm assuming you saw it some years ago. People don't realize how long um, he's been honing that style down because he had a talk show at one time, which was. Fantastic, and never uh, picked up uh, for for any length of time. Oh, on VH1. Yeah, a, a, I thought very, it was good. Yeah, it was. It was it's like uh, twelve years ago. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. There was. Uh, I remember that it was in a. It was almost like it was in a, a hangar space, and there was a lot of things. And he was walking around with a clipboard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it's funny how that works because if you thought of Zach Galifianakis having a talk show now, you'd. Watch it immediately. Yeah, of course. But that's, that's what happens. You never know who's going to sort of surface and, and turn into something. Yeah, you don't. It's kind of like trying to draft an athlete, you know, out of college, and you you try and figure out if they can make it in the pros. And 
<laughs> you know, that's why they have the combine now <laughs> in professional football. Where yeah. they, they don't even trust what they see. They have to measure the how long is his jump, how right. fast is his hundred, how fast. Yeah, it's it's they it's, get into technical stuff. It, it becomes almost like a, a slave auction. Yeah, in some weird. Yeah, way. <laughs> that might be a little dark, but I, you know, no, what I'm saying no, no, uh, like sure, agri- I'm sure, I'm sure behind the. Uh, Behind the locker room, that's discussed by some of the players. That they're, like some they're sort still of, owned. Yeah, agricultural auction. It's almost like the same sets of of animals. Yeah, you're measuring it. So yeah. it would be like taking us and uh, saying, yeah, here, read these ten jokes. Right, right. And just see if you have a funny delivery. Right. And then, okay, give us four of your own, and then right. at the end, there's some, a score. Right, and then they you, go, wait, what is his, uh, what's his thoroughbreeding? What's his parents? What's yeah, the lineage? Yeah, parents funny? That's yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. And selfish Jew, selfish Jew, three generations yeah. back. Perfect. There's no getting around that my family would knock me out. <laughs> for the comedy thing? Right, for the get-go. <laughs> no, I think they'd pass. Yeah, oh, I absolutely. Because we had that, I had this moment where, I don't know what, I, like, I got this, I I don't know you that well. I obviously we've never talked before, but I I I seem to think that you have uh, answers and uh that you have a, a, an acute sensitivity to uh to comedic um personalities because you said something to me about uh, when we were sitting on stage for the for the Provenza thing. Yeah. And you you mentioned uh you know, you said uh your mother and I was like, "Yeah, was that just a guess?" Well, I I I I I mean, Mark, I'm not I'm not uh, a psychic, but I assume everybody has a mother. No, I, I I can probably sure. I think you can um, intuit yeah. uh, a mother issue from a father issue in in people when it's sort of uh, you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, not not always accurately, and there's so many complicated uh, combinations thereof. Right, but what do you think the uh, like the uh, the most uh, you know, like the mother thing? Because I I never assumed that I, it was necessarily a mother issue. Well, it might not be. How was your dad? He's a manic depressive lunatic, right? But my mother was the one who uh, who made me uh, afraid of food. Oh, so they were both a little. Uh... Oh yeah, you. Well, my father was actually, uh, I would say, really completely normal. Really? Yeah. To a fault? No, I think uh, seriously. I think he he had his own uh, business. He had a printing company that was very successful. Uh, I'm just going through it now in my head. I mean, I I think it's interesting. He he, he had his own business. So yeah. when you think about it, uh, doing comedy is your own business. Sure. So I followed in his footsteps. Right. I just didn't uh, do it on the. Uh, didn't I? Didn't I was afraid I'd get my hand caught in a press. Yeah. That's why I didn't follow <laughs> in his. <laughs> I I didn't find the printing business interesting. But he was like it was a big company and very successful. So. I think, uh, and uh, quiet, quiet on the quiet side. Uh-huh. I think uh, of integrity, yeah. Uh, of uh, and uh, sort of humorous. I remember once, um, uh, once we were in a restaurant when I was, uh, you know, certainly under ten years of age. Yeah. And uh, this man said, "Hey, Irv," which was my dad's name, uh, Irv Shandling, uh-huh. and and he played basketball in high school and in college. He was a honorable mention All American. Yeah. With a kind of running uh, jumper, you know, like the old old school kind of basketball. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he said something like, uh, uh, "Irv, you know my wife Helen." Uh, and he said hi, and the guy said to my dad, "Helen's lost." Uh, 90 pounds, and he goes, wow, and uh, now she's right where she wants to be, and my dad said, in that booth, in the, in, in the restaurant, <laughs> and I, I, I'm not saying it's like the funniest thing I've ever heard by any imagination, 
but I will not be able to come up with something my funny my mother said. <laughs> <laughs> it's just whack behavior. Yeah. No, but I think that the, the turn of phrase and the, the surprise ending, that's uh, definitely well, a, I mean, a well-crafted I, I, joke in that moment. It shows that he was sort of... Uh, Witty. Yeah. Yeah. Dry. Uh-huh. And your mom, nothing. No funny? My mom is uh, a character uh, that is uh, somewhat uh, uh, stereotypical to the... Uh, Jewish mom, who I, as you probably know, say in my act, wanted to marry me. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's and, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, completely conflicted because she wanted me to have kids, but not with another man. <laughs> right. Not with another no, woman. woman. Is yeah, yeah. Man. yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. That's a very hard joke to get correct. Yeah. There's, there's my mother wanted me to have two, two ways you could go with that. children, but not with another, nor with another man, yeah, by the way. Either way. Either way yeah, was bad. She didn't want me to, she, she just didn't want me away from her. And her sister, I think, is a little loopy who lives in Chicago because her sister said to her kids, yeah. uh, if anyone leaves Evanston, I automatically disown you. So when her kids grew up, if, oh, really? they, if they moved out of Evanston, it was that kind of nuttiness. It's pretty nutty. That that's that weird kind of like a meshed, you know, don't leave me kind of yeah craziness. Yeah, yeah. My parents, I don't know. My my parents were. How did your uh, parents end up Jews? So and, if my dad was a little quiet, yeah, and I'll answer my question about how they ended up Jews. I'm sure it was their fourth <laughs> selection. <laughs> it couldn't have been the first thing. No, but and, you, uh, you grew up in the Southwest. I, I, yeah. So listen, this is yeah. what makes it so weird. So. Yeah. Here's where I might have been manic. I yeah. might have been manic had had they lived in New York. But right. they, they were in Chicago and moved to Arizona when I was two. So I grew up in the desert. Yeah. I grew uh, up in New Mexico. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, stranded Jews. I mean, it's like, to me, that meant that they needed to get as far yeah. away as no, possible. I was the only Jew. I mean, the don't ask, don't tell applied to me for 15 years. I didn't say <laughs> yeah. jack shit. Really? Yeah. Cause I'd uh, say, no, no, I'm not, I, I wasn't celebrating the holiday. I had a cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, so, uh, so, but, but now, where are you, Phoenix? Tucson, Arizona. I li- yeah. So you were you were your uh, family, the Shanlings, were one of the original Arizona Jews. Uh, I think that's probably uh, right. I yeah. haven't. Uh, they, there's more now there. Yeah, yeah. They they they've discovered it. Yeah. And uh, and um, you know, it's that dry heat and. Um, Sure. You know, I like the desert, but yeah. I, I think my dad was a, a tad uh, quiet like me, and then uh, my mother was very very uh, assertive. Uh, mm. um, uh, smothering. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and you don't know what to do with that. No, you, you don't. don't know what to do with that because you can't. Uh, uh, e- even in therapy, uh, if you were to encounter that in a couple, yeah. you don't know how to get the the person to stop. You don't know how to extract the person from the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> hiding behind herself. Yeah. I my uh, my mother was just uh, overly needy. I did the smothering thing was never an issue. It was just uh, never enough. You know. I think probably as I look at you though now and just took a second yeah. when I met you. Yeah. Uh, and, and I liked you right away. Oh, that's quite good. frankly. Okay. Uh, and that's what separated me from the others. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's you some rhythm to. of that. Yeah, sure. Of that joke <laughs> is uh, they pretend. Uh, I mean, yes, I saw a, a uh, something I relate to, which is a which is a compliment. I mean, I I sort of see a a a a, a desire to rise above your uh, crazy issues, which I think, by the way. Everybody has, I, and then I try, rather than shove them down, right. you've probably uh, examined them to some degree. Can yes. you talk about it? Yeah, I, I let so them. So that's why I right think out. we had common ground immediately. Well, but, but what's your process? I mean, like on, on any given day, like today, uh, you know, I got obsessed about you know something. Uh, I, I I began compulsively eating, and and uh, I was anxious about traveling, and and it gets I get spun out. I mean, what do you do every day? 
Uh, well, um, how, how was your crazy manifested? Like, what sorry, you... I didn't check in on you earlier. Yeah, you should have called. I mean, I, I well, you did actually. Well, I don't There's have. Uh, <laughs> y- yeah, I don't. I don't have any real compulsive, obsessive uh, issues. Yeah. Uh, the neuroses uh, triggers uh, now and then. I would get anxious about traveling. Yeah. I think a lot of people do, but I do really go. Uh, I sort of get indecisive about which thing to to do because I have a voice in my head that says you should do this or right. you should do that. Right. I think that's the uh, that's the uh, th- these are the things I've tried to rise uh, above and still tackle the issue of being free to be exactly who I am. The paralysis it's, of indecision. There is a paralysis to indecision yes. and uh, a buddy of mine who knows me well said yeah. there, there's a no win there because sometimes right. I make a decision and I feel that wasn't the right decision. But uh, I've gotten a lot better with that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, By the way, I, yeah. I, I, I started to box about uh, 11 years ago. Right. Just started to box. And the, the, and the reason is uh, uh, twofold. Is one is um, uh, out of my comfort zone completely. Never was a kid who got into fights. And so the idea of really being in a ring where someone's going to start throwing punches. And then uh, the really main reason, the other one, is that uh, – you don't have time to think, so yeah. it becomes completely intuitive. Someone's right. throwing a punch, you have to counter, or you move, or you Get step hit. back, or you move in, or right. you keep. But you can't think about it. And when you land a punch, you can't think about it. Are you getting so, good at it? Uh, well, I'm sure getting better than I was. Yeah, which do, is uh, better than getting worse. Do you wear headgear, or do you? I do. I wear uh, headgear that goes. Uh, I wear headgear that goes from my uh, head down to my <laughs> knees. It's quite a long. It's the biggest one they've ever seen. <laughs> But but the point of it is, is it, yeah, you kind of <laughs> it's made by a Jewish company and. Um, and you, you, are you a sponsor? Do you want to? Yeah, I'm sponsored by uh, <laughs> by the full body mat. <laughs> no, that uh, yeah. that metal sweeping equipment. Yeah, use on the beach to find coins buried in the sand. Uh, what are those called? Uh, yeah, what are they called? Uh, uh, my future. Probably originally used for landmines to find landmines. Sure, until the first guy found a ring. And said, you know, when I get back to the States, this is going to be the thing. Yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are the things that So you, you start boxing, and what that, but isn't like comedy a little out of the comfort zone? I mean, I feel like that's, why I, that's why I did comedy. Was yeah, that very. There's like in exactly what you're saying, yeah. your experience with boxing yeah. is my experience with comedy. It's the only time I feel present. Yeah. It's the only time where my reflexes take over. There you go. Uh, and it's the only time I, I literally feel uh, open and, and myself. Right. So what I would say to that is, uh, you should live like that yeah. because what happens is uh, the thing goes on in your life and you don't think of it as uh, in your life. If you were on stage, you don't have time to do anything with a heckler but say a few words and get right. it over with and right. move on to the next thing, right? Right, yeah. Whereas you obsess in real life. Well, well what happens, what could happen? No, it's changing. I mean, I'm not, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm, no, you're I, growing or you wouldn't be um, that's right. talking about it. Right, and it's like uh, I don't have time or the energy to beat the shit out of myself anymore. Well said. I mean, that's just, it's just weird. As you get older, it's sort of like you get it. It's just exhausting, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, uh, even if I have, like yesterday, I did. You can't, cra- you can't win a welterweight, uh, a welterweight belt for beating the shit out of yourself. Right. Especially if yourself a, is a heavyweight. That, that would be a good <laughs> narcissistic yeah. uh, boxing belt to it's, win. It's true. And like, even like yesterday, I did Ferguson's show and I hadn't done it before. And How I never did that really, go? It was fine. Right. And and but I did that thing where I don't know who you are when you get off stage, but it had been a while since I'd done that. I thought I rushed through the last joke. Uh, I thought the panel was a little awkward because mm-hmm. uh, even though I think it's I like to have a free form conversation like we're having right now, but he does that with his panel. Like he literally like just give him thirty things about you, and then he's just going to talk. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I think there's a fair amount of uh, uh, sort of uh, looking back and judging exactly what happened because it also happened so fast. I mean, I think athletes that's right. do it. That's why they look at the film at the game. Right, but so, I but I didn't have a film. I just had me right, say, so saying I, mean, I don't I even want to see the film. Right, I think it's <laughs> fair. Right, and, that's and, me too. And and I, don't I look. and I'm walking off, and it, and I did that thing where I got off where I haven't done in a while. I don't know if right. you do this, where the guy comes up, the the producer, and he says, uh, "That was great. That was really great." And and then I say, "Really? Was it because I don't want to take this experience away from you because I don't believe what you're saying?" And uh, I didn't think it went that great. I didn't say that, but I I said it by saying, "Really." Yeah, those are tough decisions to make. I, I actually had a. <laughs> I feel bad for you. Those are tough decisions to make. I don't have anything to say. I mean, I have I you get done it. that? Uh, I've done it where I've said something, and I've done it where I haven't said something. But I'll tell you, recently I yeah. did a talk show which will remain nameless for the moment. Yeah. After I boozed it up in the second half hour mm-hmm. of the show, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. But uh, the producer ran over to me at the end of the show and literally said to me, "It's not your fault." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> And I and I actually think I know what he meant. Yeah. But uh, you know, you got me, you got me uh, wondering for a second. Oh shit! Isn't that's that a good the, one? That's it's a, not your fault. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first thing he says. Yeah. And it wasn't. Beautiful. It wasn't sort of an obvious. It was an overall note. Right. It was. And you've just did you you know, parse it in your head and find that it wasn't. Uh, your I, fault? I I I had a hunch of what he was talking about, but it it still uh, can uh, can uh, get you. Uh, Wondering for a so, second, but I, I knew the fellow well enough that we were able to talk it out. So, and what, by the way, yeah, may I say to you, my dear friend, yes, sometimes it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So when those lights are on, yeah. you know, yeah, and turn you're them sitting off. there with those cameras. Yeah. No, people don't know what it exactly feels like. It feels like it's if it's if you're you or me, it feels like it's your fault. Sure, right? Yeah. Sometimes, and yeah. Sometimes it isn't. Right. Well, that's weird. It, you, what you're saying is true. And I mean, you've spent a lot more time in, in front of the lights than I have, but it is a heightened reality. And in, in that moment, all you're thinking is like, don't even acknowledge that, that, you know, you're in this heightened reality where you're talking to the host of a show and everything's happening in the minute. But when you're in it, uh, you completely know it. You, you know, there's no way not to know it. Yeah. I think probably that's why, Mark, I, 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 I lean towards, uh, Using the camera when I do those shows, especially when I would host something, sure. I kind of look over to the camera yeah. because it's like, uh, you know, hey, yeah. I, I know we're all looking at this and we're all together on this and I just screwed up or he screwed up or whatever. You're a great reactor. So, yeah, I'm a good reactor. Is that, was that a planned thing? No, I don't think you can plan that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, Were you like- I said, God, hey, try and give me kind of a wacky mom so I can just fucking react. <laughs> Come out of just, that womb just going, huh? <laughs> just look baffled and try to smile through it. Yeah, that yeah. So yeah. I was given that choice from birth. I would oh, say. good. Well, that was a gift. I mean, that's that's a that's a life question, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. What you just said, you yeah. just you just uh, baffled uh-huh. and uh, uh, baffled and smile through it. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's how some people choose to live their life. <laughs> Period. Uh, yeah, that's, that's how it. some people choose sure. to u- live their life. Yeah, yeah. But think uh, of that. Yeah, think of that. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and then they want to blame others. But do you have you gotten to the point where you can thank your mom? Like, you, like this is a gift. Uh, I actually uh, uh, gave my mom uh, a, a really nice thank you gift for her birthday once, yeah. and uh, wrote a note on there saying, yeah. "Mom, I couldn't have done this without you. Yeah. Thank you." And she looked at it. This is true. And yeah. looked at it, and then took a beat. And then looked up. We were alone in the kitchen. Yeah. In the kitchen. And she said, "Why? Why can't you say this on TV?" <laughs> and I looked at her and uh, I said, "Well, 
let me see if I have this right. Would it mean more to you if I said it on TV as opposed to right now when I'm with you in the kitchen, in person, yeah. speaking to you as your son? Yeah. She said, on TV. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't want to hear you say, oh, my God. I never thought it was that big a deal until you, Mark Maron says, oh, my God. But did you? But, but, but then the question, like, for me, like, if I, like, I put myself in your position, I would be like, all right, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, tr I'll try to say it on TV. Uh, I've thanked my mom on TV. Yeah. I think it's followed by, uh, you know, to, to make her happy. Yeah. And, and I don't remember the. Yeah. But, Yeah. Though, I think the part of that is yeah. people get very confused uh, with uh, – she's also confused with uh, what's real when I'm on TV or when I'm – I don't think she knows which one is real, to be honest. I, she I, can't I, separate the truth from what she sees on TV and uh, so forth and so on. Or does she like the one on TV better? That's what I'm concerned with. Uh, that would be your concern? Yeah. That's interesting. I, I want to think about that for a second. My, my mother barely talks to me now. She listens to this show. Twice a week, she listens to the show, so she knows what's going on in my life. We barely speak. And every once in a while, she'll go, you're going to, like I got an email two days ago, yeah. you're going to Australia? Uh -huh. And that's uh, that's how we communicate And what now. do you say to that? I don't respond. Right. I, no, no, I do. I, I said, yeah, I, I'm going to Australia. So we're actually, the truth is, we're doing this show for your mother. That's right. It's all for to my To help mother. you from having yeah. to uh, confront your mother. Yeah. Could you, could We're you doing say, this show to help you from confronting could, with your mother. You, you That's say, what the whole subtext of this show is, isn't it? Could you say something nice What's to my mother? What's going to happen when you... Hi, hi, Mark's mom. <laughs> Thank I you. can tell you he loves you because the place is plastered with your pictures. Oh, yeah. You're hot. Oh, yeah, she is. A little too hot. Yeah. I uh, well, That's her right there with me with the beehive hairdo on that Hold desk on. over there. Let me look. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I had to live with. Well, you can't, you know, you can't tell him that much from a photo because uh, look at that haircut. Lee Harvey Oswald doesn't look like such a bad guy when it's, you just look at the still. Look at her; she's she's uh, baffled. She's pretending like that. Oh, uh, she is. She is kind of. A, she's attractive. She's yeah, um, very attractive. I mean, she's older now. I where was, was this? That was in my grandmother's house in New Jersey. In New Jersey, yeah. Sure, sure. Well, well that generation, you know, I had a dream uh, actually. Uh, yeah. I had a dream last year. Uh, that uh, this is true that somehow I ended up in my mother's house in the 30s or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, there was no sense of this was in my dream. There was no sense of, uh, of course, of therapy, of uh, self-realization, yeah. of uh, anything looking right. inward, any awareness. Yeah. There was no sense of it even in the air. I I don't uh, like. Those, sometimes when you're in dreams and and there's that moment where uh, you you have absolutely no awareness of yourself is fucking beautiful. Man, sorry, man. You it's getting put too that deep. On, no, no. It just struck me deeply that that's you're in pain and that should go on a t-shirt. Not is, uh, Yeah. Give it to me again. Sometimes when you're in a dream and, and dreaming, you have yeah. no concept of yourself, it's just beautiful. Yeah. You have no awareness of yourself. Yeah. So you always have. An awareness of yourself that makes it that, that brings pain, right? No, no. I, you I, feel better uh, when all yeah, of a sudden you're not conscious of yourself. And a little you feel, bit, a little bit. Let's yeah. Tell, yeah. I mean, we can talk about other things, though. <laughs> I don't think we can. I bet you a hundred bucks it comes back to this every time. No, I, I didn't bring you here to talk about me. I, I, I was. Uh, yes, you did. You said I think you know you have some answers. Well, you seem to have some. Like and then you I, started asking. Right. Well, I mean, the the med. What what I want to know is how do you evolve. You know, 
into uh, outside. Okay, so the indecisiveness, the indecisiveness, and then the the, the sort of uh, beating the shit out of yourself. And you've taken action around that stuff. You're boxing. You always played basketball. Yeah. I know because I knew guys who played basketball with you. Yeah. And I always thought that if I knew how to play basketball when I was a younger comic, I could have met you sooner. But I didn't know how to play basketball, and everyone was going over there to play basketball with you. I felt I felt like I blew an opportunity there. Because I knew people who played basketball right. there. So I think one mistake is, to, yeah. is thinking of it as an opportunity because it's really just a life experience. We play basketball. So you would, you would have been, it, would have, it would have stood out that you felt like it was an opportunity. It would have stood out because I don't know how to play. Well, that too. So you'd have been, you've been screwed. It's Either way. Didn't, yeah. yeah but, uh, but like a lot of guys. You're say, lucky you didn't play playing the game. Were you, was it pretty competitive? No, I, we still play, but it, it get, I don't know. It's a, no, it's a fun game. They're oh. all great guys. Who do, you look, play man, with? I, Who do you play with? Who do you play with? I can't name them all because it's kind of like a. Oh, pri- okay. It is. It's a bit of a it's kind a of secret. sacred guys. Sure. No, game I get that, it. Um, but when you started out, you were you 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 weren't a comic. You didn't start in. No, comedy. I started as a writer. I was wrote on uh, after college. I wrote for Sanford and Son. Did when you? I was like twenty five years old. Did you think Fred uh, Red Fox was hilarious? Uh, I thought Red Fox was funny, but. Um, I was learning to write scripts, right? And then after I wrote three of them that were that they shot, I, I was confused because I, I was uh, kind of uh, uh, wondering how you write more than three. Why do you write twenty? Why do you write forty? <laughs> right. And uh, I had a therapist then, which was very fortunate, and I said, I, I think I'm something's wrong with me because I, <laughs> anyone would be happy to be working on the number one show at the time. Yeah. And uh, be making uh, really good money, and and why am I? She said you're bored, <laughs> and it struck me like a like a like a therapist saying yeah, everything bro- my mother had never said. That's right. how it struck me, right? Because I I was always taught that it was uh, your problem, right? Well, she said you're bored, and I never thought of it that way, and that's when I started to do stand up because I was bored, I- and that's why the Larry Sanders show, for instance, is not really a formula. Uh, series. It was like it made it hard, but it was like a little movie every week, as opposed to uh, some formula. But when you did, within, to, you know, once you figured out your comic voice, and you were you know, guest hosting the Tonight Show and stuff like that, was there? Did you feel limitations within that? Yeah, I get bored fast, man. I, I would host for a week, and then I went, well, "Why would you? Uh, why would I do this for a whole year?" First of all, I mean, it's very hard for a lifetime. And then, if, and then the reward, if it goes well, you do it for a lifetime or something. And yeah. I sure envy those guys who do it well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's even the same with my stand-up, which is why I'm in the middle, as I speak to you, of trying to expand my style into something uh, that's current with uh, how I think of life now. So how are you it's approaching a that? Change. It's really uh, tricky, but it's um, you know a bit of a conversation about the world and what uh, you know. I, I saw a lot of this stuff. Uh, coming with the world i was a hippie and uh anti-establishment and yeah. and uh this is a you know this uh materialistic uh money run is a dead is a dead run and that, that's just what we're proving as we speak i think the government's uh, conceivably bankrupt as of uh 48 hours from now or something as we speak that's right so it, nothing surprises me like i don't think the system works right but in, in some ways i think the obstacle with that is is for enough people it seems to work okay and no one wants to fight it uh i so, think they're going to start i think they're starting to flail a bit too i really? think the, i think the masses are certainly uh, uh flailing and I, I think they don't know what it is and they're not willing to admit that it's uh all of us who have uh supported a false system and a um 
big uh, false system with a big spin. Right, right. It was which all, it was isn't a, God we trust, which right. is, is not the case at all. It's well, that money, money and power matter. Well, the, the government has been sort of functioning as a money laundering yes, operation. Yes, but I think when but, you have to say that's right, it's one big Ponzi scheme. Yeah. But I think when you when you say the government, you have to understand that you have to responsibility in that. I think each person right, has probably right. thought, ah, these are my values. They're right. the same as I want right. money and I want a job and I want this and I want that too and I want a right. better car. It becomes hard to be uh, to not be hypocritical even if you're a, a liberal correct. thinker. That's correct. Because everybody wants to be comfortable and then you sort of send money to a charity of your choice and you feel like you're doing something. Or you, yeah, or you're and I always put in parentheses on those yeah. charity donations. Yeah. I put loan and I never see the money again. <laughs> And I put, I go, look, in parentheses, it says loan. I really do. I want a little I donated a, little a lot to the Japanese earthquake, yeah. to the Red Cross. Yeah, a lot I, of money. You put loan in parentheses. I, I think they sometimes. They owe me so much. It's <laughs> awkward now when I meet anybody from the Red Cross. I don't know whether to say anything or not. <laughs> <laughs> you just, just look at him and go, huh? When, uh, how, where's that? I go, uh, you know, I haven't uh, heard Shen? from you guys. And he goes, what are you talking about? Then I feel awkward. <laughs> you know, it's the middle of a disaster. It's you'll not get, a time to bring up money. You'll get it back. Karmically, you'll get it back. Yeah, I think so. Isn't that the big plan? Yes, I'll probably get four pints of blood. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that's worth it when you need it. Sure. So you're trying to engage on a, uh, a sociopolitical level with people or uh, just yes, raising Yes, ultimately uh, an emotional, psychological level because it, it's really uh, – we can't know what the problem is unless we know who we are. So anybody who I doesn't know their true self, they can't know what the problem is. So uh, there's no winning unless you know who you are. And the only real change can come from within. So when we talk about uh, change, right? Uh, yes, we can. Yeah. Uh, people think of that as outside themselves, change outside themselves. They must change and become more authentic. This is why we. Otherwise, uh, the system is going to continue to fail. It's a, it's an addict. It's an addictive culture bottoming out. I, yeah, I I completely agree. So while they seem to understand that Lindsay Lohan has a problem right. of some sort, but they will not say, I have a problem of some sort. But <laughs> it's like, what I say about Charlie Sheen is, uh, how many of you are still in denial and and have the guts? to call the rehab center and say, help me, I can't stop watching Charlie Sheen. <laughs> right. Because uh, I'm, a, oh, oh, he's on Channel 7, hold on. Yeah. Because I'm addicted to watching yeah. Charlie Sheen. Yeah, because he, I, I, I actually spoke with him. And, and uh, the the type of weird shamelessness around the insanity he's experiencing, the, the, he actually is pushing out self-awareness. He's saying, I will not be aware of what I think implies weakness. Well, he's, he's, uh, He's he's not altogether wrong with many of the things he says. That's right. The issue of um, his particular, uh, <clears throat> uh, for lack of a better word at the moment, uh, uh, for his particular behavior, some of the issues underlying his particular behavior uh, are for him to discover and for his f friends to help as uh, other friends would. But there... To, to make it a freak show is is uh, is is falling into the trap of uh, your false self because your false self wouldn't be uh, wouldn't watching like that and wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't you know. Uh, let's discuss it. Let's let me clear, let me just understand something because I feel like we're on the same. Because everybody everybody's an addict right. about something. Right. So you know, judge not lest ye be judged. So you're saying that culturally we need to. To go through a crying stage. I think culturally we are bottoming out. Right. But like how does and that self awareness how does the self awareness begin? Okay, like, here's I how self awareness begins. Once once you bottom out, which by the way, no mm. one is willing to admit yet. What we're doing is we're fighting against bottoming out. Absolutely. And yet when Charlie Sheen fights against bottoming out, we call that weird. Right. 
Okay? Mm-hmm. But when America does it, that's winning and that's America. So when Charlie Sheen says, I'm winning, I'm sorry, isn't that the motto of the American culture? Yeah. We're winners. We're right. going into our third Middle East country. Yeah. North Africa. Right. Country and yep. two Middle Eastern countries, and pretty soon we'll be taking Hawaii again, just for the hell of it. Yeah, just to, to make it look like we're winning. Yes, yeah, we're going to be winning. <laughs> yeah. Mission accomplished. We got it. We got Hawaii. Yeah, mission yeah. accomplished. Right. So that's America, but but they can see it. Everybody can see it when Charlie Sheen does it, but they can't see it when they themselves do it. So nothing can get repaired with the lying continuing. It's no different than a family relationship or anything else. It's a lie in the family. Which is, I'm sorry, you're, you're addicted. You're the one who's addicted to winning and to being the best and to having the best religion and the best this and the best that. And, um. So there's no true humility. So, so I'm sorry. There's no true humility and right. gratitude, That's which right. is what an addict has to realize at the bottoming out place. You can't be driven by your ego or your false self. So I think America should be sort of allowed to bottom out because the, right. this is, uh, I'm sorry, I, aren't people embarrassing themselves trying to fight this uh, bottoming out thing? Yeah, it's, well, I, it's, it's right. compounding the problem. Right. It, it, it's sort of like uh, it, you're saying that America is like the emaciated crackhead who's wild-eyed saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't have a problem. Well, they're saying, in fact, uh, I'm more than fine. We're winning. We're winning. We're still number one. And, right. um you know, I, I don't think you can talk yourself into it, which is what spin is in, 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 uh, supposed to do. Talk, we're going to talk you into believing. But that, isn't spin isn't uh, part of the entertainment uh, complex? Part of that's not so much the spin, but the the way of avoidance. I mean, they're, that they're seeing like a, they're part of me thinks like I have said it on the show before. Haven't we been entertained enough? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave now. As a matter of fact. Are you really? But that's it. I bottomed out right We no. haven't attained enough. No, you can't leave so, it. Gallagher uh, yeah, so left. Stop. That would be bad. Yeah. I, I, I don't, no, no, I just mean uh, I don't put myself above any of these uh, issues. So uh, we have been entertained uh, enough. Uh, was there a moment, though, where uh, you... Uh, we've forgotten that enough is enough. I mean, right. it's just... But what was the moment, Ooh. Gary, where, where you know, like you did very you know, provocative and sort of groundbreaking uh, things with television and with how comedy will be perceived and turning, uh, you know, television in on itself uh, satirically and and, uh, and sort of changing the game in terms of format. Uh, so you've you've achieved an amazing amount with comedically uh-huh. and in your profession uh-huh. and you're incredibly well respected. Uh, but and you still tell jokes. Yes. Yeah. So has this thing that you're talking about now always been kind of like eating at you? Yeah. No, like I said uh, earlier, I, I, I was a hippie when I was in college. So I was, uh, for some reason, uh, very anti-establishment. And uh, if you look at Abby Hoffman in 1969 and what they were saying, uh, uh, Abby Hoffman turned out to be exactly right. If, if, it's good, if, the, if, the, if the United States continues to be about money, it'll be its... Uh, Downfall, and we better look at the culture. And he was and, also very funny. Uh, he was really funny, and uh, and he did that all without Facebook, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, everybody's had Facebook; yeah, they had sure. their little revolution. Yeah, and then uh, people have forgotten that uh, uh, in that Chicago '68 uh, convention in Chicago, the the tanks came in and uh, Beat the started shit out beating of the shit out of those people. Yeah. Uh, and and we say, look at my God, look at look at what the uh, 
Egyptian government was doing to those uh, people uh, yeah. who were against the happened who want here. freedom. Yeah. Yes, it happened here. Four killed at Kent State. And it will happen again if you actually were to do that. Go out in the streets, which they're doing in Madison a bit, and they're trying to shut that down. As yeah. Well. And I, I actually heard you talk a bit about that, and, and you said you were a little confused, as am I. I must say that's the... That's the most confusing uh, issue that I haven't uh, that I haven't sorted out yet about uh, the unions and the, and the teachers and it's not, I, I it's thought, not black gee, and white. I, I, I kind of thought when students get paid, teachers should get paid. That's what <laughs> I thought. I took the, I took the wimp approach. <laughs> Let me see if I can make it funny. Yeah. <laughs> but it's did very you, complicated. When you did when you did uh, uh, Larry Sanders, I mean, did you actually? Did you? How close were you to to being offered a regular position? As a, I was, I had to make a decision right before. I had to make a, a, a simultaneous decision between the Tonight Show. Between uh, no, at that point, the Tonight Show. Uh, uh, at that point, I was offered for for Sanders. I was offered the show uh, after the after Letterman. Mm-hmm. I was offered the show after Letterman, right. which I think. Uh, that Letterman's old show? Letterman or? had already moved to CBS. Okay, okay. So you're offered, so the, offered the, that Ferguson spot. spot at twelve thirty. Yeah. And prior to that I was offered the original Conan O'Brien spot. I mean they're going back. Going yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, going yeah. back. Right. So I had to make a decision literally whether to host a talk show on CBS or do a show about a guy who hosts a talk show. Right. And so as we're sitting here having this discussion, Mark it would make sense that you could see me choose the guy who hosts the talk show because I can examine all these issues much more deeply. Right. And uh, that interests me. Yeah. And so I, I stayed true, I think, to my myself. I, I have no regrets about uh, oh, no, it's that, great that, 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 that move. And I think that... You uh, would probably be sitting behind a desk hating yourself right now if you had made a different decision. Uh, I, I think that's uh, probably true. <laughs> probably true. Of course... Uh, <laughs> Uh, depending on the guest list. Right. Yeah. <laughs> depending on the guest list. So on some level, that was actually a rebellious show in your mind. When I you think did, everything, well. When when you decided to do Sanders and deconstruct the behind the scenes of, of late night television. I think they're movie. all rebellious shows that I that I do in a way. Yeah. Uh, I, I've never said it like that, but I think they're all a bit anti-establishment. Definitely. And this it, is my first show, uh, uh, It's Gary Shandling's show. I was going to, uh, NBC wanted to do it, but they said, you can't talk to the camera. You could talk to a dog. Can you put a dog in there and talk to the dog? <laughs> That's true. So I wrote a script where I talked to the dog. Yeah. And it felt like a formula to me. So I, I said no. And then Showtime said, you can talk to anything you fucking want. <laughs> <laughs> that was an They also were very hesitant to let me play a comedian. I played myself, a comedian who was, uh, and they said, you can't play a comedian. No one will understand. They don't understand what a comedian is. And, and I said, well, let's go through that a minute. There was the Jack Benny show, the George Burns show, in the Lucy show. which Dick is, Van Dyke show. Yeah. There yeah. you go. It's yeah. the biggest sitcoms ever. Yeah. Lucy, I think her husband was, uh, Ricky was in the. Uh, the band the, leader. The band leader, right? Yeah. At the club. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought that was uh, not accurate because I wasn't going to get into the, the, into the uh, minuscule kind of minutia of, of comedy. I, it just was a guy about a guy. Now, when you when you deal with these executives and they say things like that, do you? I mean, what's your your impression? You know, having grown up with television, and usually they're probably you know younger than me at this point. That they're saying these things based on what? Their own fear. Do you ever feel that? That oh, sure. I think uh, that's the other issue that we're we're all making decisions based on fear. We have to be very, 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 very careful because the other thing uh, we're addicted to uh, in America is the uh, is the idea of security. And trying to make us, uh, everything permanent and 
and solid and secure. When in fact, <laughs> yeah, no. life itself yeah. is impermanent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not solid, but purely energy, yeah. as, as proven by quantum mechanics. Yeah, and uh, the idea of trying to make it something secure, as going as far as putting up walls around it, uh, is 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 ignorance. It's just ignorance, and so. Uh, that's that's all based on fear. I mean, we should do what we can to prevent uh, terrorism, but this this uh, incredible panic to to sense of underlying panic about protecting what we have is what a human being on his own can't do. It doesn't. There's nowhere in any religion, any philosophy, where it says once you have the stuff, yeah, make sure no one else gets it. No, that's we should else. be embarrassed. Yeah. That's a that's a power thing. That's a politics. Yeah. It's not a religion thing. So uh, is that crazy? Am I crazy for that? Because no one seems to. Now you would say, where does that lead? What your vision? Yeah. Where does that lead? You could say, so what then? What would happen if people live that way? Well, th- that's an addiction. Needing to know the answer is an addiction. Well, I think what you're saying is is not unlike um, you know some of the more. Idealistic thinkers of, of, of the late sixties where, you know, it's, it's where, why can't the global human community uh, behave like human beings and uh, respect each other across the board? Because, uh, and the, the, the problem with that, I guess, is that there's always going to be those people that want to take advantage and control. Oh, no, the, the, the world is flooded with sociopaths and others who, yes. who will take advantage right. and you do need regulations. You're right. Now, when you did, when, when you do things like, because I, I, I know that you have a, a, a lot of respect for, for hosting and for comedy that, you know, before you became more politically aware or more in tune with these uh, these issues within yourself, I think you exhibited a an, an amazing amount of vulnerability in your stand up. And I think that on mm-hmm. some level that that also speaks to the human heart. So I, I think do you see yeah. do you see that, you know, throughout your career that you were never an aggressive person? You never set out to hurt people. And, and there was there's actually yeah. warmth there. Now, did you feel satisfied with that when you were doing? Yeah, the- yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, Mark, uh, uh, I have talks with uh, people that that will go uh, unnamed right now until I get that drink that I've been begging for. I, I okay. don't have no. Any- no, it's okay. Right. I, don't, I don't really drink, but All it right. could be you know something. I I, 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 with, I got water. I have wa- and, uh, I, I'm going to give you a mug when you leave. I, may, I had these mugs made. It's nice. It's got my my cats on it. It's got your cats on. And it. And my head, my head's on it too over here. And. And they're they're very nice. They have a good weight to them. And you you pour stuff in there. Sure, a little coffee, or you can have that cocktail. Yeah. Whatever you need. But it comes empty. You mm-hmm. give it to them empty. Yeah, that says a lot. Yeah. Well, that I says mean, a lot right there. But the, but we filled it with this this joy. Cool. Why don't you fill it with joy? I'm gonna if we can get there. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. No, we're almost at the joy. What were uh, you going to say, though? Do you remember? Yeah, because I said they, 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 some people that shall go unnamed, I've had long discussions with them talking about that it's, it's actually about heart. And really, no matter what you think and no, no matter how clever and no matter how um, uh, new and uh, sort of a- uh, alternative the comedy is, mm-hmm. it still is about heart in a very subtextual way. And uh, being a full human being, is uh, really comes across uh, uh, on camera and in 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 life, and um, I think that's a uh, a great goal is to become a full human being and a willingness to to show your heart. And I would say probably that uh, my early comedy, in which uh, there was an enormous amount of uh, vulnerability and self-deprecation, uh, that it was uh, 
accurate, a good way that I discovered to be funny. And, uh, uh, you know, I still possess that. It's just that we, we haven't hit that uh, point in our discussion quite yet where, where it's come up. But I, I still oh, it's possess definitely, that. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's always it's, there. That's not going to go away. That's a b- basic uh, part of my uh, personality. But but it's it's balanced out, I think, as I've uh, gotten older. And so that's that's what I'm exploring on stage now is a balance to it. And I think that's what resonates with, with your comedy and always has with me. Even when you were exploring somebody as self-centered as Larry Sanders, that, that the heart of it never came across as... as uh, no, I was very... You know, I got to tell you something, Mark. Seriously. In that writer's room, yeah. which is no bigger than the room we're in now as yeah. we speak... Uh, some some people mistakenly think that's a dark show about people trying to get what they want. Oh, it's so not. No, it is a show about people trying to get love. Right. And that shit gets in the way. And they're trying to figure out, you know, with a little lack of awareness, how to get past that shit to get to the love. And so, I mean, everybody on that show is, by the way, in reality, we're so close to each other uh in a very special way that no one will ever understand because mm-hmm. we we were there on that stage in a really kind of experimental lab kind of way. We didn't have the name on the door of the big studio and all that. And it was about exploring feelings and uh was that an, was that part was that a discussion that was had? That was that part about that yes, I mean that's my my approach to it that then I would have to bring to the the sense of the show, so there was no confusion. Because I'd wor- I've worked on shows, different kinds of shows, uh, and I'm experienced. So this was a show in which uh, uh, let's not let's not think of this as a show, and that you have to do it right. This is about being who you really are and making sure every moment is honest. And uh, and that and when and I think ca- people discovered actors and writers both discover and myself discovered a lot about ourselves in, in reality. And I think you changed the game with how you know, p- you know people were willing to let moments sit with comedy. Yeah. Yeah. That there there are moments on the Larry Sanders show where it would just be uh, you and Rip uh, you know standing there by a camera, you know watching something on the monitor. And then, you know, maybe looking away. or But, I mean, they would hold for like 20 seconds or 30 well, seconds. because the, the, the truth, actually, is in the silence. That's right. So we come back to the other problem yeah. in life is people are afraid to have a silent moment like that there. And in that silence right there is all the truth and all the wisdom in the world. Yeah, I almost cried during stop, those. Sure, you got to stop fucking talking. Everybody's fucking talking. Yeah. Jumping up and giving their opinion too quickly, right? Yeah. Why? What is that? You know, because addiction, I, addiction to uh, to uh, preventing me from, preventing me from having to discover my true self. A a defensive yeah. reaction, right? To not going any deeper, right? Self protective, yeah. Anybody? Oh yeah. Well, listen. I'll tell you this right, right. now. Right. It was, right. There was global warming. Yeah. A friend of mine in the gym said to me the other day. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't really care to use uh, labels like conservative and uh, liberal. I, I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes from. Uh-huh. But uh, he's very uh, uh, committed, which is his uh, uh, choice, to, yeah. to believe that global warming is, is, is not true, which is a very complicated scientific issue. And uh, he said, you know, the Sierra snowpack this yeah. year set a record. It was a 50-foot snowpack this winter. So how can there be global warming when there's a snowpack that's broken the record? And I said, well, let's think about it for a second. 
I mean, how come you get the chills when you get heat stroke? Yeah. <laughs> and he went, wait a minute. I never... That's a good point. I don't know. That's a good point. It stopped him dead. <laughs> Do you understand? He's still thinking he's, about here's it. Here's what he's doing. Yeah. He's taking the concepts of hot and cold, mm-hmm. taking them literally, not realizing they are two things on, 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 on different sides of the same coin. Yeah. So that when one reacts, the other there's a reaction to, uh, equal on the other side of the coin. He's just seeing hot and cold, and he says, how can it be cold when it's uh, supposed to be hot? Well, then how come you get the chills when you right. get heat stroke? Yeah. Uh, right. You said you threw, you it's, short-circuited it's, him. It's, it's completely yeah. short-circuited him. Yeah. And yeah. he stopped. That's good. That's, it's nice to be able to do that. I, I, think, uh, I, I think that's the idea of what happens in the silence, sort of. I think you're right. I had a guy, after that thing you heard about the Madison thing, some yeah. guy wrote me a, a letter. Uh, about how it's unfeasible to carry unions and that if people can't carry their own weight, this is a free market system. The market will define the, the bottom line and level everything off, and that's why it's so good. Like three paragraphs of just very well-stated, conservative, uh, but fiscally conservative talking points. And, and then I noticed at the bottom, he, he was a, an architectural firm. So all I wrote back was, I understand, period. I'm glad you're doing well, period. Oh, right. <laughs> 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 and, and, all, right. and all he wrote back was crafty, dot, dot, dot. Oh, well, crafty's a good uh, perception, <laughs> so, really, but that's isn't a, it? Well, that's a, that was the short-circuiting That thing. was nice. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. But those are the moments, I think, like you said, that was two sentences that got that effect. Well, so, I, I, you know, think it, I think it's art, Mark. I think it's art that brings these truths to the surface. I don't think it's ever going to be... Uh, the politics. I don't think it has been historically. No, I think I think the heart thing is where you're is is exactly at the, at the heart of the matter. Where you look at somebody like Pryor, who somehow or another bridged a racial gap that seemed unbridgeable, yeah. just by putting himself his emotions, you know, opening himself up and taking that risk. Yeah, I think you're right. That all of a sudden there was a communication uh, that had never been happened before between black and white. Yeah, that's a good point. I think art is mirroring uh, life. Is what the real definition of uh, art is, and uh, I think you know, prior mirroring life itself, which was uh, his life, uh, made you feel compassionate in a way that you're right. That, that, that you can feel it. You can feel it with the, you uh, too. Yeah. And there's a lot of comics that don't have it. There's a lot of comics that are just telling jokes, and then there's a lot of comics that are yelling. But to actually, you know, take emotional risks that are genuine on yeah. stage—that's the fucking courage. So that's it. what I'm still trying to do, and it's it's hard. It's hard because. Uh, because they are emotional risks, and I, I don't even know sometimes what I want to say in those risks. So uh, uh, that's what I'm dealing with. That, that's why I sort of, when you asked me to do this a couple months ago, I said, give me a month, and then it was give me another few weeks. And then, because I was still in a place where I was working on uh, uh, that pretty intensely. And um, do you think and of I TV, Do you think about TV projects now? I, I don't think about, um, I think about TV projects like every 30 days, like, uh, it's the closest I come to being a woman is every 30 days I get cranky <laughs> and and I realize it's because I'm thinking about TV and what should I, what I should do on TV. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, that's the truth. I don't know. It's uh, I, I can't put my finger on. I haven't found a, an idea that I'm passionate about to do, but we'll see if I, if I come up with something um, as I continue forward in this vein that i've spoken about do you feel do you feel like a compulsion to do it or it just comes and goes it comes and goes yeah but i, I can i talk to you about that moment though because i thought that and i tried to talk to you about it. yeah what was it again 
I'd it, forgotten. It was just one of these, and it was actually a reflection on what you're talking about. And, and I think you're at a different point, and I don't. But it was such okay. a beautiful moment where where J- you were hosting the Grammys, yeah. and Jack Nicholson was presenting Bob Dylan with the Lifetime Achievement Award. Right. And Bob Dylan played a song that no one could identify. And you know, and Jack, you know, you know, you know, you brought him to the podium, right? And uh, and and Jack was, you know, sort of in his time zone and and you know, a little stilted, and uh, and then and then Dylan takes the podium, takes the mic, and Jack's standing next to him, and there's a long pause, like awkwardly long pause, and you know, and then and Dylan says, "Well, it's just like my father always told me," and then another really long pause, and then he goes, "Yeah, he said a lot of things," and then another long pause, and then you know, he thanks the people and he walks off right and then they go to commercial and you come back on and say uh jack nicholson and bob dylan uh are, are back they, i just overheard them backstage talking about how they wanted to do more television right it was and it was to me it was so hilarious hopefully uh, i would say in uh, hindsight knowing them both now yeah. knowing them both personally by mm-hmm. the way and having to in fact uh explain <laughs> <laughs> that it wasn't an attack it's right one of them because uh i mean who who? how can you love any more than you would love those two guys I that's mean, right that's absolutely right. right on the line of but that's a that's a risk that happens they're, they're right? so completely yeah authentic right uh, that um i think the the audience uh felt something that needed to be commented on or it would be in denial itself right and that is a way if i'm not mistaken of doing it without really saying anything negative about those guys yeah it's just true in the moment right but also but television in itself as a medium is it undermines authenticity it doesn't require authenticity and and for you to find it with larry sanders or with other because even I, I agree with you. I think even the reality shows, as we all know, are, are mediated. Meaning, That's right. The only time you cut and edited. The and, only time you see authenticity is like when someone's being taken away in handcuffs, and they're going, yeah, "Fuck you, that bitch did it again." It's like that's a real moment. Yeah. Or when even like, I used to do a bit about that, where that person then turns and winks to the camera <laughs> they, they, they <laughs> because got they even point. know they still know sure. they're on camera. Sure. And I think that like in getting why, back... why do criminals put a, like a jacket over their head when there's a television camera covering them? Sure. <laughs> that means you don't need a gun in your house. You just need a TV. <laughs> camera they would what run with a run with a sheet over their head and go i don't want anyone to see me publicly i got I worked it out yeah that's true that's a, i'm that's... just working on it give me a sec give me a second so i think your statement was about television not I about mean, those I, individuals I love those guys that are authentic and sort of uh rebellious and, yeah. they, and they may have uh, issues to deal with but, sure sure uh, but it is the human spirit and it is raw that's right so you know and it, it, raw human spirit is good you know, it may be developing into something it may level off eventually but it might not so you do you have a relationship with those guys now i mean you you've been a, a, around a while so you Some, yeah yeah and like Dylan, as a as a as a human being, is 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 completely fascinating and and, and utterly self aware of what he puts out there in a way. Well, he's 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 utterly fascinating, and he's uh, masterfully deserving of his privacy, right? Which will prevent me from saying anything more okay. than how much I admire him, which okay. is true. Yeah, yeah, no, I I find him yeah, amazing. Yeah, I you know what else I find amazing about him is that he keeps working and that he loves to work. Apparently, yeah. That he lives on stage. Yeah. Do you, do you fight with that at all? The the desire to get on stage or not get on stage? No, I don't. I don't have. Uh, I I would say that um, as opposed to most of the guys, I actually don't love it. It's not like um, I can't wait to get on stage. Right. Uh, 
Uh, however, there's a love of something. If you can explain it to me, I'll be happy to listen. But it, there's a love of some kind of expression uh, and connection and communication. And uh, look, man, I mean, uh, uh, I was I, I liked making the class laugh when I could. I wasn't the class clown. You know that. You, you can picture it. It was more like just laying a line in there when it was the right time. And I remember being a kid thinking, oh, I missed that moment. <laughs> I can't go back and get it. It's too late. Yeah. So there was I, this innate sense of timing. So I would say it was it's my path. In fact, I say to comics uh, all the time that are starting out, uh, you know, it, it almost has to be a calling because it's so hard. Yeah, I, I don't know it to be anything else for me. Right. I mean, there was never a second choice. Like, yeah, so I think the, the, the interesting part is why is it a calling, you know? Well, for me, if you want to know, yeah. I'll tell you. What, what I have gleaned from my uh, relative obscurity and my desire to continue to go on stage was that I never saw it as a career. I never saw it as a, I just wanted to be a good comic. But as I continue to do what I do, I, I, I had to transition from, you know, in, interacting with the audience and defying them to like me, to, to develop that parental relationship. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that all, all I really wanted was a point of view and I wanted to be seen. Like, you know, I think when we talk about our mothers, that their needs overshadowed our identity. So I think there's some part of me that the only reason I'm up there is to be present and to be to have my space and to be reckoned with. Right. So I, what I would say to that is uh, uh, it's fantastic. And uh, probably in your private life, then work on some of that need that you feel from your mother uh, and not not expect the audience to give that to you, so they they don't feel quite under the pressure that uh, that I understand that demands, man. Uh, I, I, I thought you were going to say that I am right now. No, you're, <laughs> you know, no. But what I mean is, yeah, no, I know. As, I know. as that gets fulfilled in somehow, uh, partly, yeah. partly. Yeah. I mean, everyone has you need some of it. Yeah, you got to give it to yourself, I guess. After but you know, I think what you described is. Uh, is is uh, exactly what it, what what is right. Oh, yeah. And then then once you get that out of the way, then you got to you know share your personal truth, and that's all I want to do. Yeah, well, that's all. Everything you're saying is uh, correct. What do you do with people that don't really like your personal truth? <clears throat> well, do you, you don't carry uh, any gun. Or no. You don't... <laughs> You have no weapons or anything? Just my mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, it, that's it. And I don't box. Yeah. That mouth can be a weapon, boy. Yeah, it sure is. It threatens a lot of people. So do Think you, of that. you're going to the club tonight? Yeah, I'm going to go to the club tonight. I actually went on stage last night to about 30 people that uh, was not a hot crowd, and uh, I wasn't really in the mood, and uh, it was frankly uh, awkward. And I've had other times all last week that were fantastic. And I thought something's really starting to form. And then, last night I hit a little bump, so it oh, sort of never stops. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what did you feel today? Like you know, well, I, last night I actually—I <laughs> don't think I can. Your, your audience can't see this. I had my hands in my front pockets of my jeans like uh -huh. this, yeah, and uh, which I never do, uh -huh. never do, yeah. And uh, and I was pushing down on the pockets, and I said, "Oh my God, I'm leaning on my pants." <laughs> That's a bad sign. And I realize it. And I mean, it's a bad sign. There was some reason I just didn't want to be there. And, you know, uh, there are nights that you don't want to be there. And uh, so since I'm there, just as a walk-on, I'm not advertised, so I sneak in so I can try some stuff. <clears throat> and I wasn't in the mood really to <laughs> be honest with you. It's like people don't know. Like, uh, I mean, uh, even I don't know that I've... Uh, 
experienced things that I do now because I have a choice whether to go on stage. Yeah. And then I don't have to do the material that ends the show and, sure, and, sure. and is what they're paying for. Yeah. I just really didn't feel like communicating. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did not want to really talk. Right. And then they weren't bringing it out of me, which is not their job. Which is not their job. Right. And uh, it was a fascinating um, how, sort of awkward uh, long distance phone call. How were those silences? Uh, well, I said to them, "These, these." I said, "This is great. Usually, it takes me twenty minutes to get to an audience to be quiet like this." <laughs> but here we are in the first minute. I said, "Doesn't this feel great? Uh-huh. This is where love is." <laughs> And since they were already quiet, they actually didn't know how to get quieter. Uh-huh. But yeah. you could feel them trying. <laughs> they were about to get under the table. This is where love is. <laughs> like one is. of those old nuclear yeah, 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 bomb blast yeah. things. Love is under the duck table. And t- duck, duck, and t- duck and tuck and tumble, whatever the uh, old gay expression was. Who were the uh, Who were the guys that uh, that made you realize you could do it? Well, I mean, Carlin deserves all the credit for. Uh, uh, reading my material when I was 19. I uh-huh. walked up into him in a club and make it short. I walked in, uh, into a club in Phoenix and he was there and I had written some material f- in his style for him basically, but knowing he wrote his own stuff, uh, for some reason I knew that. Yeah. And I just asked him if he would read it and tell me what he thought. This would have been in, way back when I was a first year of college. And he said, yeah, come back tomorrow night. I went back and he had read it. And, uh, is really shocking. There was my material sitting in his dressing room on a, on a little table, and he said, I read it, and there's something funny in, on every page, and it's very green. But if you're thinking of pursuing it, I would. And I think that's what really <clears throat> made me go uh, forward, I, I think. I think that's really what made me go forward, because I, I moved from Tucson then to L.A. after I graduated from and, the U of A. And who were the guys when you were a kid that made you uh there was, there was a lot woody allen was yeah. sure that woody allen and um did you ever get to work with him no sorry that's a that's a, that's right that's when i put my hand in my pants that's what it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> uh uh no i'm i'm tongue-tied every time i meet him but uh i i did a a, a benefit in new york just a few years ago and he was in the audience and uh and I got to say hello to him, and, I, and to his face, I said uh, he had he just presented something at this benefit where he actually did five minutes of stand up, which is so rare to see Woody do. Yeah, any of it, actual yeah. stand up. And I, I went up to him afterwards in the in the break, and I and I said, "Oh my God, to see you do stand up was so fantastic." I I beg of you to uh, stop playing the clarinet or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. He plays the clarinet every yeah, Monday. Uh, yeah. And uh, he, he he laughed. I beg you, <laughs> I beg you, stop playing the clarinet, which but, is his favorite thing. And that was the weird thing when he showed up on the Oscars a couple of years ago. You know, he did that. I'll 10 tell you minutes. that. I, I'll tell you something, Mark. He, sorry, he, he walked out on the Oscars, and I am telling you, I, I don't remember. I was sitting with a bunch of people. I don't remember in the room. Do as I'm saying. Yeah. It. There were a bunch of people in the yeah. room, and I I watched him walk on stage. He was five strides into his walk to the yeah. microphone. I said. Oh my God, he's going to do stand up. Yeah, I still don't know how I saw it coming. And and, he, and he, it was almost like frozen in time, it was mystifying. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't fucking believe what I was watching. Me too. I mean, he's a master that people just you know don't see. There there you go. Where that's, you, yeah, that's there true. is a guy you'd like to see do stand up just because you love it, and uh, you know he he resists it. And um, so how long ago is it? Six years ago? Or something? Was it that long already? Five. Holy shit. I don't know. I, I lose track. I do too. They say they say time doesn't exist. How's that going? Well, then I don't know what I'm wasting. 
<laughs> I'm totally confused. I know I'm wasting something, Mark. <laughs> well, this hasn't been a waste of time. This has been great. No, I mean, I, I, I don't know how people will feel listening to it, but I certainly have enjoyed talking to you. I, I, it was, I was nervous about it. I don't know why. Now, why would that be? Uh, because I have a lot of respect for you, and, uh, you know, you did a lot of great things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to make it all about me, and it was touch and go there for a little while. I love the interviews you do, though, where they are about you. I listen to a few. All of them? I, I didn't listen to all of them. They probably all are, but the few that I listened to, I, I got such a kick out of it because I wish I could remember you were talking to Conan O'Brien. And yeah. It was like, uh, well, Conan, you remember when I did the show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you hear Conan go, uh-huh. And then I, and then I, and then I, and, and, and I, and I, and I say that with love, Mark. Yeah, no, I know. Because I, I totally relate to it. I actually listened to that, and then I went... Man, there have been a lot of times where I've talked about myself and just, I think, you know, wish I hadn't. But I think it's a cool way to do this show. I'm happy to talk about you. Do you feel good about it? Yep. Well, thanks for coming, Gary. Uh, it's always a pleasure coming into this part of town. Right. Pleasure, Bob. <laughs> thanks. Called me up and asked if I would write his theme song. I'm almost halfway finished. How do you like it so far? How do you like the theme to Gary's show? This is the theme to Gary's show, the opening theme to Gary's show. This is the music that you hear as you watch the credits. We're almost to the part of where I start the whistle. Then we'll watch his Gary Shandling show. This was the theme to Gary Shandling Show.